Did you know that right now there's a group of people running the business of their dreams? They are respected leaders in their field, working with clients they love and serving them profitably. Now, are they famous? Depends on who you ask. They're not signing autographs at the grocery store or taking selfies every five minutes. They're not trying to be everywhere on social media. Yet when they show up at trade events and conferences, they are recognized and sought after. They're the ones everyone else looks up to. They're the next generation of thought leaders in their space. So what's their secret? Well, they've become famously influential to the right people, and so can you. Today, we'll dig into the story of one of these leaders and deconstruct how they became micro-famous. You won't just come away inspired, you'll come away with a new strategy and a new way of thinking. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and chasing every shiny object, you can move forward with confidence and clarity. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder and author of Microfamous. And if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's get started. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Microfamous Conversations. And as promised, I have a conversation for you today. This is with Bruce Eckfeldt. He is a coach. He is a former tech company founder and CEO. And now he is also a multiple podcast host and, uh, and writer for Inc. Magazine with over 200 articles there. And so we're going to talk about how to run a lifestyle coaching business, how he shifted his business from one that was primarily based with in-person meetings with his clients to now being mostly virtual with a mix of some in-person and how that's affected things and how one interesting advantage that's actually given him in being able to bring strategic feedback to the CEOs about their executive teams when he's working with them by working virtually. So that was a great little tidbit that you'll notice about halfway into the conversation. We also dig into the marketing strategy, why he's positioned himself the way that he does, why clients come to him, what they expect from him, how that affects the service going forward, why he chose to then get into the exploding space of cannabis and how he's taken his skills into that space and why he chose it and how it fits in with his strengths and how he used actually podcasting as a way to break into that space and build relationships and build a network there. So some really good, I, I love that approach, just very, very good, well thought out strategy to how he structured his business, how he structured his life and how he structured the marketing of the content marketing specifically to attract the right people. There are some really incredible stuff that he mentioned just kind of off the cuff in passing uh, that I wanted to dig further into. So make sure you watch out for that because I had to back him up and get him to kind of cover that again because there is a way to reach people that are your ideal clients when you have more of a psychographic profile versus just like a, you know, a demographic or an industry profile for somebody. And for a lot of coaches and consultants, that can be very difficult. You know, how do I reach the right people when they describe themselves in different ways and they don't agree on all the same terminology and maybe they're even in different industries. It's just a certain type of person or a certain type of company at a certain stage. And Bruce had some really great insights into how to create content that speaks very deeply to them based on the the experiences that you're already having with your current clients so make sure to listen for that that's about three quarters of the way through um some amazing stuff in this episode i hope you go check it out uh, his podcast as well scaling up services um is a, is fantastic and then um you can also get his podcast thinking outside the bud so those that's on the cannabis industry if you're interested in, in that and if you know of anybody in that space make sure to connect with bruce and so uh yeah let's jump right into the conversation this was awesome let's get to it with bruce eckfeld Bruce, officially welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. It's a pleasure being here. It's been a while since we uh, connected. It's been a long time coming. We, uh, yeah. it, I feel like it took us a long time to like get on the phone and then get this recording scheduled. So we've known each other for a little bit, but this is the yeah. first time we actually done a podcast. Uh, what do you, like I've given people an idea of what, of what your background is, but when you yeah. run into somebody, especially a potential client, what do you actually tell them that you do? 
Yeah. yeah. So I, I like to joke. I tell them I actually don't do anything. <laughs> like, so, so I don't do any work with my, with my clients, but yeah, you know, essentially I, I talk about two big things. So I talk about strategy development and strategy execution and yeah. strategy development is really working with a company. And so it's primarily CEO and their leadership team on really kind of figure out what, what do they want to do? Like, what do we, what do they want to achieve? Um, and so we talk, we, we start with some really big picture stuff, but really what I'm driving is a three-year plan. So we look three years out and we put some real numbers on the table and I have some processes I do that kind of get into that and show where people's minds are and where they're on the same page, where they're not, but it's really kind of clarifying that three-year vision and then mapping out a 12 quarter plan to help figure out, okay, what do the numbers look like? What do the major milestones look like? What do they need to do to actually achieve that position in the market they, they want to own in that three-year time? So all that is, I call it strategy development. Strategy execution is figuring out okay, how do we make that happen, right? So I work with companies quarterly, we figure out what's working, what's not, we review the last quarter, update the strategy, uh, figure out what do we need to focus on next for the next 90 days, who's gonna be accountable for what, what might get in our way, how do we avoid those things, and set up what I call the 13-week race, right? How do we, how do we run the next 13 weeks uh, mm -hmm. on, on, on page, on, on, the, on the strategic plan of um, where we wanna be in three years? Gotcha. Okay. So, and, and you work with just, you know, like a, like you have a number of clients that you kind of cap out at. Um, and uh, tell me a little bit about the structure, like why you chose to structure the coaching business the way that you have. Um, are you, are you using any uh, staff? Have you ever brought coaches into the business to coach with you? Has it, has it always been you directly working with the clients and kind of keeping it capped at a certain number so you live the kind of lifestyle you want? Yeah, so I um, so so I founded a tech company back in 2002. Sold it about six years ago, and uh, made made the decision at that point that I like the idea of not having any employees anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so not not because I don't like employees, but it was just um, you know I wanted something different, and and honestly, I wanted to uh, at some level focus on mastery a little bit more than kind of volume and scale. And mm -hmm. so for me, it was much more of a challenge, or it was uh, the, the goal, the focus was how can I really find something that I'm really exceptional at and, and just make that super, super valuable, right? And so everything that I do is figuring out um, how do I leverage myself even better? How do I reduce the number of things I'm focused on? So I, I get it down into those core things that I am exceptional at and generate a huge amount of value at. And how can I shed and offload basically everything else uh, in the work that I do? And, and it's been a journey, right? I didn't, I didn't start that way. <laughs> I'm, I'm still on that journey, but yeah. it's, that's been kind of the guiding principle in terms of um, how, how I've approached the coaching practice. And so for me, the math basically comes down to, I've got a hundred coaching days a year, right? So when I look at the type of coaching I do, and, and when my schedule starts to seize up, if I've got too many things going on, it's about 100 days a year that I can effectively schedule uh, in a way that still keeps it flexible enough for the companies that I work with mm -hmm. uh, that it is 100 days a year. So I work with basically 10 clients at a time, and I work with them about 10 days a year, given the model that I have. And so that's how I kind of come up with the numbers. And my whole game has been, how do I just keep increasing my rates, right? Like I've, mm -hmm. I've got a fixed volume. I've got a fixed thing I can yeah. sell. You know, so how, how much can I get paid for each one of those units of, of service? Right. And, and how much of that is tied to the, the perception of the ROI that you get? Do you, do you find it's, it, how, how much of it, like for, I'll give you a practical. Um, do clients keep signing up because they hear about the results that you're getting for other people, like in hard terms, or people keep signing up because they like 
the, because they get into the relationship and they stay on for the relationship, even if they themselves don't take the action that actually gets them the ROI that you'd like to see them get. Yeah. Well, it, it's both. I mean, I guess I've always subscribed to the model that people make decisions emotionally and justify them logically. So I know as a coach, when I sell, like I've got to connect with them, right? Like if they don't feel some kind of rapport, like just desire to like want to work with me and, and vice versa, quite honestly, like I don't, I don't want to waste, you know, one of, one of my slots of time for someone that yeah. like, I'm not excited by working. Like it should be fun. It should be engaging. It should be challenging at some level for me. If you don't have that, it's not going to be successful, but you also need to then back that up. Like, even if they emotionally like, Hey, I want to work together. And I had, I, it, this happens a lot. Like people are like, I love to work with you, but I just can't figure out how, like we can't figure out a way to generate the ROI. And, and my ROI calculation is always, I want, I want to be generating, or I want to have the ability to make an argument that I'm, I'm returning somewhere between five and 10 times my cost in uh, profit. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, so well, I, I've got a little, Calculate. I literally have a little calculus spreadsheet. I'll bring it up for, for a highly analytical person. I'll bring it up on the web, on, on the zoom call and we'll literally go through. I'm asking questions like, okay, well, what is, what is your current revenue? Like, what is your current net profit? Okay. Where do you want to be in three years? What does that look like? If we, you know, we start changing some of those numbers and as we say, well, if we can, if we can take the company from 10 million to 30 million in three years and we can go from, you know, 8% to 14% net profit, what does that do on the bottom line? Like my, my fees should be, you know, 10% of that. Yeah. Ideally. Yeah. And, and to get them there, would you rather work with a company that needs to do more of the same and like just maybe expand into a new market, just like sell more of the same, keep going on the same trajectory that they've been going, or would you rather work with a company that has to like pivot and change what they're doing in order to see that kind of growth? So I guess I'm, I'm always evaluating clients, prospects on opportunity. Like where do I see an opportunity to grow the business? And there can be an opportunity in either way. I would say that the thing that I'm always looking for is some, some kind of opportunity to focus and create strategic differentiation. Right, so if, I'm, if I don't see that, if I don't see something in either what they do, how they talk about it, the capabilities they have, the assets they have, some ability to say, wow, look, if we just double down on this thing, which seems to be going really well and optimize the company around that, we could, you know, we could 10 X this in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see something there that, that could be a pivot. It could be like, Hey, there's some real assets here. You're just in the wrong business model. You're in the wrong market. We need to change those things. Mm-hmm. Or it could just be like, like, you're just distracted, right? You're trying to do five yeah. things and you know, four of them, four of them may be good. They may be very good things, but one of them is exceptional we really need to just shed, shed those other things, take the resources that we're putting in that and, and double down on the, the thing that really has opportunity and grow the business. That, that's generally what I'm looking for. Yeah. And, and I just, it's the same for me. So when somebody comes in and they want to start a podcast, that's typically what I'm looking for is that the, like I'm, I'm trying to wrangle them into focus that produces some strategic differentiation because then whatever their differentiation is for the actual business usually ends up being the thing that will most successfully differentiate the podcast too. It's like it flows directly into their marketing ideally so that it's aligned really well so yeah that makes 100 percent sense to me if i was coaching you know small growing businesses that's exactly what i want you'd want something that's hopefully already there that you can focus on get them undistracted and get them to focus like a laser on that thing that has huge potential so that makes a lot of sense um when you get done with like an engagement 
and you talk to people and you network with people that are potential ideal clients for you, what do you feel like people say about you? Like, what are you known for in, in the circles that you run in when people talk about your coaching and the results that you get? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think my, my, my thing is, uh, as I like to position myself as a strategic coach, meaning that we're, we're primarily, or my kind of lead is mm-hmm. strategy, like figuring out those strategic questions mm-hmm. and, and the ability to kind of, uh, frame things <laughs> or reframe things in a way that they hadn't thought of and gets them to think about things quite differently. Um, uh, the one thing I always get told is that I'm an exceptional listener, right? So I'm ex- really good at just kind of hearing things and often hearing things that they don't even realize are going on. So if it's a group, like a team, a team discussion, I, I, I will kind of see the story under the story um, mm-hmm. and then uh, being able to ask questions. Right. So for me, I think coaching in general, but particularly in strategic coaching, it's the art of the question, right? Like it's figuring out what is the one question that I can ask in this situation that is going to, going to cause them kind of create this ripple effect of getting new ideas on the table or getting a new perspective or actually getting sometimes a conversation on the table that hasn't, hasn't been put on the table yet. uh, And actually create a container or create a space, a, a context environment to actually discuss that in uh, you know, some, sometimes difficult, but uh, oftentimes very productive way that advances advances the business. Gotcha. Okay, which makes sense. There's there's definitely, uh, you know, when when people think about a business coach, those are those are some of the things that people just put a high value on. Uh, and listening is not like at really active listening is not easy. It like it's a it's a skill set that remarkable few people have, oh, yeah. uh, which is yeah. Like people definitely it sticks out when you run into it. Yeah. So that makes Honestly, sense. I, it's interesting on that one because it's I mean it's listening, but it's also observing, right? Like so you see mm-hmm. what's going on, you see people's facial expressions in this whole kind of COVID world that we're in now, where everything's on Zoom. It I would say, and a lot of people are kind of like, oh, we love to meet in person stuff, and I love to meet in person. But there's a fascinating thing about having one on Zoom in gallery view when I'm coaching these sessions because I can literally see everyone's faces. And actually, uh, once or twice, I've actually recorded meetings and I've replayed them for folks. And it's just to see the kind of the micro expressions, kind of how people are engaged, you know, like someone saying something and someone's like, you can see the contortions on their face. Yeah. That that is that's where the real issues are. Right. It's, It's often not not the transcript. Right. It's not the words they're saying how they're saying it, it's the body language, it's, you know, how people are reacting. So I would say that there's, there's definitely an art I've learned over the years of, of being able to pick up on all those things. Which is That's really interesting. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, there's going to be some interesting side effects to how this new, you know, just the, the remote working and things like mm-hmm. that, like change things. And that, that is one of the things that I was thinking about is, uh, yeah, the little micro expressions and, and the ability to go back and replay certain things. And yeah, if you can show a CEO, like, Hey, when you said this about your new, new initiative, look at the VP of yeah. sales, look at his body language. And you're like, Oh crap. All right. I got to yeah. get rid of that. Or guy. even better when the VP <laughs> presented that proposal, look at your reaction. Exactly. That's the one they usually don't see. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about uh, what, what's worked for you. Yeah. So you are in, in like a really, like you want people with a very specific profile because you're not even just looking for people that, that fit a certain place in their business and the fact that they want coaching. You want people that are even a good fit with you personality wise. You want people that are fun, that are challenging, that are not going to be a pain for you to work with. Um, what have you found works best for you to attract the right types of people to you? 
Yeah. Um, so my, my, and this has been developed kind of over the years, uh, is basically sort of a content focused strategy, meaning the more that I can put content out into the world uh, that is going to resonate with folks, the more likely it is that they're going to, they're, they're going to see me as a potential value add, uh, someone that can help them with their situation. Um, so I even do things like, so I write for Inc uh, on a weekly basis. So I've got probably about 200 Inc articles at this point. And, but the way I develop my Inc articles is I literally take notes in the meetings that I'm having and I find little kind of topics, situations, questions that are coming up and I will write articles based on those with the idea being is like, well, if my client, if the, this client that I really love, that we're doing really well, if they have this question in their mind, chances are there's, you know, a hundred other CEOs out there and he or she may have that same question floating in their mind. So if I take this insight that I have with this client, write a piece on it, put it out into the world. And, and sometimes they're really specific kind of nuanced things, mm-hmm. but they're much more likely to then hook someone else out there in their world that's struggling with that same thing that's similar to that person. So it's a way for me to kind of connect with the kind of people that I want to connect with. Yeah. I would say that's one really key strategy. First of all, that's freaking brilliant. Uh, cause one of the, one of the hardest things in marketing and you know, this is going after someone that is less of a demographic profile, something that can easily be nailed down or a list you can buy to something that's more of a psychographic or an emotional EQ kind of profile, but that doing that, like piggybacking off of the questions that, you know, your ideal clients, the people that you really enjoy serving, that like going specific into their questions like that. It's yeah. I mean, basically it's, it's like, it's, it's almost a way of building like your own Facebook lookalike audience in, in the level of the content you're putting out. I think so many people miss it. Um, just the idea that just going with the broadest possible topic, you know, like, Hey, how to scale your company. Like, well, I don't want to leave anybody out. I should just talk about scaling up. And it's like, no, the opposite it's like, you can't cut through the noise of the broad message. So when you talk about, you know, going down and, and hitting something that's very, very nuanced, like that makes complete sense to me. Because if you're, if you're scrolling through Inc and you see a question that only you, the CEO of a company that's around that size, that has that same challenge would even think to ask, you're going to read that article and you're going to wonder who in the world wrote that article. Mm-hmm. Like that's someone that knows what's going on in my business right now. So yeah. that makes total sense to me. Now, what else do you do once you've like, that's the hard part, right? Identifying that content is the hard part. What else do you do with that knowledge? Are you podcasting about it? Are you doing videos about yeah. it? Like besides your ink articles? Yeah. So the, so the ink has been a really good kind of general kind of networking tool. What, what really changed the game for me was, um, picking some domains uh, and, and and creating content that was really specific to those industries. So the, 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 I okay. actually run two podcasts, one called Scaling Up Services, one called Thinking Outside the Bud. Uh, and and what I realized, so, so the one, so Scaling Up Services was a direct, um, taking something that I had a huge amount of experience in. So I ran a technology services company. I was in consulting for almost a decade before that. So almost 20 years of consulting services, understanding and experience and realizing that I had some pretty unique experiences and insights and um, strategies for dealing with service-based companies. And so kind of taking this world of all the kind of companies that need scaling and kind of finding this niche, finding the slice that says there are service companies which fundamentally have some different business models. I always say they're easy to start, hard to scale, right? So there's, there's an angle here that now Yes, it's a slice of the market, but the fact is it's a pretty good slice in the market and it tends to be a slice that I work really well with. So that was a leveraging something I had known capabilities of and I could sort of directly apply. Mm-hmm. Thinking outside the bud is all about cannabis. 
And, and that was an interesting one where it was, it was really a combination of uh, personal interest. So I, I broke my back about six, seven, seven years ago now. Mm. And they gave me this big bottle of Percocet. And a friend of mine said, mm, you may want to think twice about that. Yeah, and and turned me on to cannabis as part of my recovery therapy. And, nice. and it was great. And it had all these other side benefits of sleep and all this stuff. So I was kind of now personally interested. I was, I was an athlete in high school and everything. I really didn't use cannabis and uh, up until, up until then in terms of a regular on a regular um, basis. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's personal interest. And then I realized if I looked at my credentials, capabilities, unique assets as, as a coach, um, I, I do really well in industries. So I was in lean agile software development in, in the turn of the, you know, 2002, which was at the time was pretty out there. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at taking these kind of edgy industries, edgy situations and figuring out how to build businesses and kind of enter these businesses in the early stage of a market. Mm-hmm. So that was one. Two, uh, I originally was an architect. Uh, I've got a, a, a creative bent <laughs> okay. and I've, I've got a lot of creative friends. So I'm very comfortable in these sort of highly creative situations, highly mm-hmm. creative industries. Um, so kind of a, you know, big in music and yeah. creative and so, so, so I realized that I had, uh, you know, kind of personal interest. I'm really good at these kind of market situations. Uh, and if I looked at all the other kind of coaches out there that do what I do, honestly, most of them wouldn't touch cannabis, right? Yeah. It's just from a cultural point of view and I'm more than willing to do it. Right. Yeah. So I, as I looked at those cannabis was this unique kind of Venn diagram had enough circles overlapping that I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, I should do something here. And so I started the podcast really as a way to enter the market. And it was my tool for being able to build out a network, create content, calling card for folks. Um, you know, we've done a couple other things with it, but it's, you know, for me, it was how to start, uh, create a niche, uh, you know, from, really from the ground up. Love it. Okay. So, man, there's a lot there we could potentially unpack. I mean, I'll, I'll cover some of this stuff maybe in the outro or whatever. But all right, just to, just to very quickly point out a couple of things. So number one, you entered the market with a podcast, which is brilliant. You're using that as more of a networking space. Now, tell me about the scaling up services. Is that also primarily a networking podcast or do, do you do some teaching on that show to get your point of view across? Um, I would say they, they end up having a very similar format, very similar tool, which is they I, I, use, uh, I use them as a... Um, uh, networking kind of relationship generating. I generate leads directly out of it. I generate a lot of referrals out of it. And then we use the content to do a lot of connections. So the nice thing is once I have a, an episode with somebody, mm-hmm. I can use their connections, you know, all the connections that we have together, all the connections they have to promote the episode. And that further extends my network. So I'm always, it's not only our, my network and our network, but the one network from that is now reachable with content. Like it's, it's almost impossible to do that as a direct communication, but as a, Hey, we just recorded a piece of content together. We'd love a like or share on this. Like that mm-hmm. becomes a great tool for being able to extend the network that mm-hmm. way. Gotcha. Yeah. We've started uh, just like just this week, we're starting to test some stuff on LinkedIn with that exact approach. I love it. That's, that's awesome. Um, okay. So that makes sense. And so a little bit of like you use more of the the recording of the podcast generates relationships and networking, but then you take the content from that and use it to generate more relationships and it's just solid teaching content. But a lot of it is from the conversation with, uh, with the guests. Yeah. So, all right. So that makes sense. So you're not doing, uh, are you doing any solo episodes or just you talking to not. the audience? I, I am not. And, and the main reason I don't, so, so I do other, because I write for Inc, I do some other webinars and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like I've got good outlets for more of the kind of instructional stuff that I do. Gotcha. And honestly, 
I want to, I want to keep my system as easy as possible to implement. Right. So at this point, like I've got the engine designed well enough where thing, things show up on my calendar and it has there, it has a LinkedIn address that has all the things I need. Mm-hmm. And I literally, I record a, a 30, 35 minute episode and I'm done. Right. It, 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 we actually use a recording technology. I don't have to do any upload. It's on there. Right. My producer can download it. They edit it. They process it. They make the page, they publish it, they promote it. Uh, I'm, I've, I've gotten that down to the, the, the only thing I absolutely need to do is the, is a conversation. Yeah. And then I don't have, I don't have any prep work. <laughs> It's funny because that's, yeah, that's, I think we talked about this when we first met. That's, that's exactly how my agency got started. So you and I think very similar, which is I, I, yeah, I systematized the hell out of that thing. I wanted to only show up and hit record and talk uh, anyway, but that, this is awesome. So I love the, uh, I love the idea of just getting into that new space and, and you really analyzed it. Cause uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think you, you probably approached it very similar to the way that I approach podcasting, which is you know, looking at your strengths, looking at it being an emerging market and looking at that Venn diagram going, man, there's a lot of overlapping stuff here. And I think where people miss out on looking for growth is just going, you know, we just need to do more of what we've done. And a lot of times what you, they need to do is look for where is that emerging market? Where is there an external force that's growing? Where's their demand flowing that you can tap into? And it's less about you and it's more about tapping into something that's growing anyway. Uh, there's so many people like in the thought leadership world, especially from the sales background, where they're just hard charging. And it's more about like, hey, if I just put my nose to the grindstone, I just do more of what's worked, I'm automatically gonna double, triple, quadruple, quintuple. And you're like, that's that's not how life works. Yeah. Like you're gonna max out at some point. And I'm sure you see it with the companies all the time, like getting doing what they've done, got them to a certain point, they hit a ceiling, which is why they end up coming to you to, to begin with. Yeah, we, I mean, we use the phrase, what, what got you here won't get you there, right? Yeah. Like if it, it's got a, and actually in, in the strategy process, one of the things we do is we set some goals and one of the one of the criteria for the goal is like you, it has to be clear right now that in order to achieve that goal, you, you have, you cannot do things the way you're doing it right now. Like it has to force mm. non-trivial systemic change to the business if we're going to achieve that, because that's the only way we're really going to scale is if we make those kind of changes to what we're doing. All right, so here, this might be the million dollar question of the podcast interview. Would you rather, would you rather clients agreed with that before they showed up on your doorstep or do you want to deal with that in the process and destroy that limiting belief after they've become a client? Um, do I want to? So I would say empirically, that's one of the reasons I get hired or it was one of the reasons that one of the things I do, one of the values I create is to get them to actually think bigger. Um, do I want them to do it? Uh, you know, I don't know if someone came to me with, uh, you know, with a BHAG that w- was in place, that'd be fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, I, I'd still stress test it. Uh, th- there's a bit of a process to it. Like it depends on the, like for me, a lot of it is what we call getting enrollment. Right. Mm-hmm. So I want to do it with the team and go through that process with the team. Uh, I wouldn't be like if the CEO came to me and said, I know our BHAG, I haven't told anyone, I just need you to help me figure out how we're going to execute. I would, I would have pause. Right. Um, <laughs> mainly because, yeah. A, because I don't think it would work very well. Right. And B is if a CEO is really thinking that way, that, that might be a slight flag for me in terms of, oh, this is, this is not a CEO who's, who he or she is trying to build out a leadership team. Yeah. They, they want, they like want just a bunch of doers. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Cause I, I think a lot about this cause I deal with like during my strategy process, we talk a lot about their, their ideal clients beliefs, what types of people they yeah. want to reach. 
and what stage in the journey? What, what do those clients believe before they come in versus what things do you want to deal with after they've already signed up? So that's always an interesting question to me. So you'd rather, you'd rather them not quite know what their BHAG is yet so that you can take them through the process, get enrollment of the entire team on what that BHAG is, then that creates the need to change. And at that point, then you deal with that and go, great, now I want your agreement that you and I believe together that something has to drastically change in order for you to hit that. And they go, yes, you're absolutely right. Okay. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. They came to be too attached, too attached to a BHAG or to, you know, to a big goal that they had. Yeah, you know, and, and unwilling to compromise or un- unwilling to consider that maybe it needs to change once we get the team involved. Mm-hmm. That would be that would be a problem. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. All right, I love it. Well, let's uh, let's uh, close out with two things. So, number one, tell everybody where to go uh, and mention the podcast and all that fun stuff so they can get into your world. Yeah. So everything about me is on my website, uh, eckfelt.com, E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T.com. Uh, the podcasts are thinking outside the bud, one word, dot com. Uh, and then uh, scaling up services is the other podcast, um, and they're they're linked on my website as well, so you should be able to find them. Perfect. All right. So one last question: lifestyle. You have a hundred coaching days a year. Obviously, you've got a little bit of admin time, but you probably systematize the hell out of all of that too. Uh, so what's your what's your lifestyle like? So well, so I have four children. <laughs> so I keep very busy with that. Okay. I've, so I've what, are you three... just like surfing every day, uh, exactly. drinking IPAs uh, well, at four yeah, o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I, I keep a, a fairly busy, busy and somewhat complicated. I'm divorced. I have three older kids, and I have a two-year-old at home. So we keep oh very gosh. busy on the on the family side. And okay. during COVID, has been a fascinating. It's a whole other podcast type of three. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm a big adventure. I love. Uh, I, I try to incorporate when I'm traveling. I try to incorporate everything from you know hiking. Uh, I'm a big saltwater fly guy, so I'm always saltwater fly fishing, uh, looking okay. for various places to go and do that. Uh, cycling, you know, all sorts of kind of adventure outdoorsy things. I grew up in Minnesota, so like if if, if there's a lake or a tree or a woods, I'm I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> so then when, uh, before, before COVID hit and you're traveling for these days, cause these like 10 days per client for the most part are days spent with like physically with them or is it like half and half? Gener- generally, I would say it was probably 80, it was probably 80% in person, 20% virtual. Wow. Um, I- I'm now flipped on that. I'm doing some in-person meetings, but generally yeah, it's all virtual. Gotcha. So, yeah. I've had to kind of create more of my own kind of trouble thing, but like I'm an adventurer, right? So I'm always looking for right. kind of new, new things to do, you know, and a lot of times it's with clients. Uh, so, you know, I'm finding ways to take them fly fishing and, and spending some time with them. And that's a really important time, you know, for the work that I do It's you have to have that kind of unstructured time to kind of, kind of chat, get to know them. Yeah. That's for me, it's showing up at events, never attending sessions. Cause that sounds terrible, but just showing up at events and doing happy hours and stuff like that with clients in and around events that that's my equivalent of that. Yeah. Cause yeah, you've got to have just the hangout get to know each other as a human being time. It's really, really important and fun. Like I have clients, I'm sure like you do, I have clients I genuinely like, you know, I want to hang out with them, which is fun. Anyway. All right. So this has been super fun. I appreciate it. Hopefully people go check out both of the podcasts. The cannabis space is super interesting. Uh, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of people that have the skills to go into it that won't touch it for other reasons. And Mm -hmm. so there's something huge there to potentially capitalize on. Uh, And hopefully people go check out both of the podcasts and kind of just get connected up and read your ink articles and all that fun stuff. So I appreciate you being here. This has been a blast. Thank you so much, Matt. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.